This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Tremors, Making Perfection, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gross, and every Friday for the next six weeks, we're going deep on the making of Tremors with the people who made it. From the very first draft of the script that birthed the Graboids, to the challenges of filming in the middle of the desert, the cast and crew are going to tell you everything you need to know about the monster movie that became a cult classic. So Graboid yourself a seat, and let's make perfection. When Tremors was first released in 1990, no one could have predicted the six sequels, TV series, and lasting legacy the film would have on the cult horror community. As home video technology advanced and developed from VHS to instant streaming, Tremors grew with it and continued the story that began with the first movie in 1990. But the story of Tremors began long before the film hit cinemas more than 30 years ago. To start where the story really began, we have to go back to the 1980s, when the idea of man-eating underground monsters was first born. Don't you wish sometimes that you could just unplug yourself from the distractions of the Internet and finish that script you were supposed to write during the lockdown? Well, for writer and producer Steve Wilson, he had no choice because the Internet hadn't been invented yet. He and co-producer Brent Maddock wrote Tremors together over the phone. This, they would find out, would be only the start of the uphill battle to getting their movie made. They would have to face freezing shooting conditions, odd rewrite requests, and a Disney producer who hated sand with a passion. Here's Steve Wilson to tell you all about his experience. 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Did monsters always fascinate you? Yes, I was one of those kids too. I loved monsters and uh, I'm old enough that my father took me, at five years old if you can imagine, to see uh, the beast from 20,000 Fathoms. This is the 50s sometime. And in that, Ray animated a dinosaur creature that at the end of the movie literally eats a roller coaster. My other favorite thing. So you, you couldn't get better than a dinosaur eating a roller coaster. And uh, I just dreamed of being able to do that kind of thing. Were there any other influences? From movies, I was, you know, again, I was a sci-fi kid. I read science fiction, all the old guys, Robert Heinlein and Theodore Sturgeon and those people. And, and then I loved, you know, um, War of the Worlds, um, Howard Hawks thing from another world. Uh, uh, I always sought out fantasy movies, just about of any kind. And that's, that was always my bent. The phone's out, the road's out, we're on our own. You two are just loving it, aren't you? Tremors was difficult, but it was exhilarating. It was scary because it was Ron Underwood's first movie. Gail had moved Heaven and Earth to support him with Universal. We had done the same. We had said, we will not sell this script without Ron attached. So everything was riding sort of every day for the first month of production, everything was riding on something. And our very first day we fell behind, for example, because it started to snow out in the middle of the desert. And Finn Carter was freezing. The, the scene we were shooting was Finn was um, the first time she meets Val and Earl. And she's in a very light little blouse and short pants. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't below zero, but it was just bitterly cold. And uh, uh, and so we, we lost endless amounts of time. We lost the sun. Our, our early morning didn't match our late morning. And uh, so we fell behind on our first day, which is red flag for the studio, you know. Um, so those things were very stressful because we were forever afraid that Universal was going to show up and pull the plug. To their credit, they got really supportive. They did send a sort of a spy <laughs> to the set because Gail, as executive producer, she was there at the very beginning just to kind of make sure. She was confident. I mean, she knew that Ron was a filmmaker. She'd seen his short films, but studio executives, you know, he had made weird little movies about a squirrel running around on a motorcycle and things. And, and that was Jim Jacks, right? Jim Jacks was our huge supporter. You know, Jim Jacks belongs to a group of executives that my humble opinion don't exist anymore. People who find unusual material, take it to the executives and sell it to them. And Jim did that. I mean, we shopped the movie all over town. Nobody bought it. Nobody wanted it. And they all passed on it except for Jim. And uh, Nancy Roberts, our agent, was positive, was made very sure to get it to Jim specifically because she thought he would support it, and he did. So 
the original question was about during production. So they sent uh, um, uh, a fella to be the studio representative on set, which they don't normally do. They don't actually have a production executive sitting there on your set because um, sort of gauche. <laughs> but they did in our case because we had fallen behind and we were having endless weather problems. And to his credit, he um, recognized that we knew what we were doing. He liked what the dailies were coming in. And he began to get us more support. He was the one who created this large second unit that I ended up being in control of that we hadn't really budgeted for. But we began to realize we we got to have a real second unit because Ron can't possibly get all the bits and pieces he needs in a, in a course of a production day. So... Um, uh, um, his name's getting away from me right now, but he 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 began to support that. He said, "Your your second unit isn't big enough. You need more, and I'm going to get it." And then similarly, one of the most famous scenes in the movie is the the car being pulled under the ground. That was cut from the script for most of production, but by the end of production, people were seeing dailies and so forth. And then Jim Jacks, I called him up one day and said, "Jim, you sure you don't want that 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 scene with the car going down?" He went, "Oh, send me a budget." So, uh, so that and when we shot at the very end, we we weren't even on the same location. We we, we scrounged the location near Los Angeles to shoot that scene. Thinking about the actual writing process, what did you like about the process, and what did you dislike? Uh, the writing of Tremors uh, went fairly smoothly in some weird steps. Uh, my partner Brent Maddock and I work well together. We don't yell and scream at each other much. And, uh, but the genesis of the project was us saying, we're really tired of being screenwriters of fairly big movies at this time and having absolutely no say in how they're done and hating how they come out. And our agent, Nancy Roberts, said, well, you're talking about producing. You know, writers have no power in Hollywood. So tell you what, let's go through your file cabinet and pick an idea. And she was the one who picked what she called land sharks. And she said, we'll pitch that and try to sell it with Ron attached. So we pitched it and no one would buy it. So we wrote a treatment and no one would buy it. So Nancy said, well, guys, you're going to have to write the screenplay. I don't see any other way to sell this thing. And... That's when we got into the process uh, that, again, it, it's fairly smooth for us. We, we don't anguish too much. I mean, well, we anguish, but we don't yell and scream. The biggest issue with Tremors, which went through seven drafts, was finding that tone of comedy and, and horror. Uh, we didn't know we were sort of creating a genre at the time, but it is kind of heartening to me years later to hear people talk up, uh, studio executives say, I want something with that Tremors tone. Yeah, uh, it's not easy to do. And it, the first drafts were too funny. There was too much comedy. Oh, really? And by the seventh draft, we were pulling comedy out, pulling it out. Gags at the expense of the monsters, we felt, we realized didn't work people saying inappropriate things that no one would really say. We got to be, we got very slavish about saying, well, what would they, what would someone who was really frightened really say? And that's where lines like Bert yelling at the creature in his basement broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you? That's where lines like that came from. And they're hugely successful because it feels real, I think, to the audience.
And how did you and Brent communicate during the writing process in a pre-email world? <laughs> well, this was a long time ago, you know, this is before cell phones. Uh, my partner, uh, the writing at Tremors, you know, technologically was a very slow process. Uh, I think by then we each had a modem and a computer, uh, probably a CPM computer. And we lived 20 or 30 miles apart, so we often tried to work on the phone. And occasionally we would try to send the script to what you would think of as email to one another, but this required getting on the phone, getting a dial tone, having the computers link up, and then praying that no one called for the next hour and a half. It took an hour and a half to send 120 pages to each other, and if someone called, you had to start all over. It's a process that, uh, writing a screenplay is a process that, that takes each writer a certain amount of time. Some people are faster than others, but there's sort of a number of steps that you seem to have to go through. <laughs> How much of the Graboid origin story did you initially write? Did you have all of that in your back pocket, where they came from, that kind of thing? We had a, a lot of discussions about whether or not to explain where the Graboids came from. And in truth, we did not pick one. Uh, I, in particular, coming from my background of just loving science fiction and horror films, knew that there were only four sources. There's only four possibilities, you know. They are created in a laboratory, they are from outer space, they are metaphysical, magical, and uh, they're natural. And all of them are disappointing. <laughs> the minute you name one, people go, oh. And uh, so we thought, can we get away with never saying? Because again, we backed into that from these people would never find out, you know, unless we did something strange. I will tell you this story. Uh, talking about where the Graboids came from, somewhere along the line in the pre-production process, the studio executives uh, said, you know, aren't you ever going to tell where they came from? We really want to know. So we went back to, our, to, to the writing and we said, all right, well, we'll write the alien scene. We'll find us, you know, Bert, when he's out searching, he'll find a crashed spaceship uh, and then he'll report that back to the townsfolk. And we put that scene in and the next production meeting, the crew rose up, all the production heads said, what is this scene? This is terrible. So I called up the head of the studio then and said, you know, they hate this scene. So, oh, all right, I don't like it, but I want to know where they come from. So there was pressure from Universal to lay it all out. Yeah, to lay it all out. And we, and we wrote the scene and then took the scene back out. Then to their credit, you know, they let us. <laughs> Can you explain who the key people were in the making of Tremors and what they did to bring the movie to life? Uh, the way Tremors finally came together was that we wrote the entire screenplay and then our agent Nancy began marshalling her forces to get as much energy behind it as she could before she, as we used to say, took it out before she took it out to the town. Nancy Roberts was our agent at the time. She had supported us since uh, Short Circuit. And she, uh, as I said, she had chosen this, this particular subject for our, this was our movie that we were going to creatively control. So once we finished the script, she began putting this program together. I mean, she really produced the movie, you know, behind the scenes, if you, know, you want to, it should be said that way. Um, and so she 
knew which studio executive she was going to send it to. She uh, knew that Jim Jacks would probably be the one who bought it. She knew at Disney who would pass and why. <laughs> and this was the way she, she handled her business. And can you tell us the story about when the, the script for Tremors got sent to Disney? Uh, when Nancy sent the script to Disney, she said, it's going to come back and no, don't be upset. Um, there's an executive there who just hates dust and the whole Western thing. And that's exactly what came back. Well, actually, that's not exactly what came back. I was in the room when she got the call, which was a pass. And <laughs> she's, uh, they passed in a very general way. It's not right for us at this time. And she said something like, cut the crap. You know so-and-so doesn't like dust. And on the other end, they said, how do you know that? I ask you, this is a job for intelligent men. Well, show me one, I'll ask you. Well, I mean, if we were real serious about money, we'd quit being hired hands. Handyman, Earl. We are handyman. Yeah, yeah, would you quit this job and we'll find ourselves some real employment. After Short Circuit, you guys were hot Hollywood writers, so getting Tremors greenlit must have been a walk in the park, right? <laughs> when we sold Short Circuit... Um, we suddenly rocketed onto the studio radar and, uh, and, and did quite well for a number of years. But in those first few years, we had this frustration that we had no control over our movies. We were big ticket Hollywood writers that they were coming to for rewrites and buying original material from. And that's when our agent, Nancy Roberts, said, well, you, if you want control, you're going to have to write something, and then we're going to have to attach you to it as producers, and so on and so on. And uh, <laughs> we had no idea how difficult it was going to be to sell Tremors at that point, because we said, hey, we're big, successful Hollywood writers. We should be able to sell our movie. It was a long haul before we finally got it to June and, and the sale. Tremors was a hard sale because it was more strange than we realized. I talked a while back about the idea, about the fact that we wrote it with more comedy in it than ended up in it. And we kept pulling comedy out of it, trying to make it genuinely scary. But it was still a strange blend. And it also harked back to a kind of movie, these B, -movie, B science fiction movies, that um, studio executives didn't know. They, you know, they don't go to the movies and watch old movies. <laughs> and Jim Jacks did know that. He knew exactly what it was having fun with, and that, that genre. Um, but it was a strange animal, and it continued to be a strange animal. Uh, the marketing department, who did not see it until it was finished, said, good heavens, what do we do with this? It's... Is it a monster movie or a comedy? We just don't know how to sell this. And once Tremors was greenlit, can you remember what the next stages were? Um, well, we, we moved into pre-production and we began designing the creatures. That is, we, we enlisted uh, um, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis of ADI, an FX company. Um, and those two we met through Gail Ann Hurd she uh, was involved in all the steps of pre-production. Um, she brought us our cinematographer who had worked with her on another movie. She suggested Tom and Alec of ADI. 
and uh, we hit it off right away with them because they think like we do. Tom and Alec design their creatures based on reality. No matter how outlandish the creature is, um, they have a, a wonderful understanding of biology and um, sort of how things would really, if you had a, a large underground worm, what it would kind of have to look like. And uh, the very first drawing they brought us, we just fell over and said, oh my God, it's a graboid. So, because we didn't really know what they looked like. The script does say that they have a really weird mouth that opens like a flower. And that little description came out of my desire that they not look the way you expect. I didn't want, I wanted them to look really strange. So I just wanted to have a strange mouth at least. Because we knew they had to look like a worm. So, uh, but it was Tom and Alec all the way who came up with that remarkable design. Uh, Tremors was a difficult movie to shoot. I mean, just physically difficult. And all movies have their difficulties. But choosing to shoot in the desert, in broad daylight, in the dirt, with monsters and machinery that was susceptible to the dirt and forever breaking down was really hard. And then on top of that, the desert itself did not cooperate in the sense that we had snow on some days, we had hail on some days, and then later in production we had 105, 110 degree days. <laughs> and we had people sick from getting heat, you know, not heat stroke, but you know, heat suffering, and we had uh, an enormous dry lake bed nearby us, and periodically the somewhat toxic dust would boil up off the lake bed and just envelop the set to the point where we couldn't shoot. And there are pictures of me somewhere wearing a dusk mask <laughs> trying to find my way to a car. And we had the jets from the Navy base that I worked at all those years before, which was not too far away, flying over us fairly frequently. Many, many takes were ruined by low-flying jets blasting overhead. Uh, this was so long ago that we had one telephone on the set. It was a radio telephone rented from some fellow there in that valley where we worked, near Lone Pine, California. And that was a difficult thing. And it was there primarily because Kevin Bacon's wife was pregnant with their first child, and he did not want to be out of touch because we were literally, you know, there were no cell phones. I mean, there was no way to, for him to know that Kira might have gone <laughs> you know, into labor. And in fact, that happened in the middle of a shot one day. Um, I remember very well the scene we were shooting. Kevin and Fred were on top of the Pepsi cooler in Walter Chang's store, and the runner came running in from the production office and said, Kira's going into labor. <laughs> Ron called cut. Kevin ran out the door. <laughs> what did you learn from making Tremors? Whenever you make any movie, of course, you learn from it, or you should. And uh, on Tremors, <laughs> again, the production was, you know, was so grueling that if anything, uh, we probably think about Let's not write anything that that's, that, that's going to back us into that corner that's going to be so hard. Um, that's not really a good way to approach it, I don't think. But I do think that's in the back of our minds whenever we write. Um, the other thing that you always 
take away from a production, at least as writers, is you're always thinking about dialogue and lines and what played and what didn't. And oh, I wish I could have, I wish I could have rewritten that line if I'd just seen how it was going to play. Uh, but writers always anguish over that. The actual name of the movie, Tremors, um, you weren't particularly fond of it, were you? <laughs> it is funny how the movie ended up getting named. Uh, for a while, it was called Dead Silence, and that was at Gail's behest. Not because she wanted that name. It had something to do with things that I don't understand very well. Uh, but we were sort of Dead Silence Productions. But the title that we had put on the movie, we, we were thinking of calling it Graboid, but then we thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody knows what that is. Uh, so the title that we put on the script was Beneath Perfection. And we thought, well, that's kind of quirky and hip. What does that mean? You know, and then, of course, the town is perfection. Uh, and we actually had crew jackets made up that Kevin still has. I just recently saw a video with Kevin wearing his, his um, crew jacket that said Beneath Perfection. And the story I was told, I was not there, but the head of Universal, Tom Pollock, when he was given his jacket, as he would always be given a crude jacket, threw it across his office <laughs> and said, this movie will not be called anything nearly that bizarre. That's what we heard back. And I don't know if he was that demonstrative, but Universal at some point declared it will be called Fremers. That's the best you've come up with. And, and there's no discussion about this. <laughs> That was master producer and writer Steve Wilson talking Tremors. Make sure to meet us back here next Friday, where we'll be talking to co-writer Brent Maddock about his love of Monty Python and working with Steve on Tremors. In the meantime, if you want to brush up on your survival skills in the event of a Graboid invasion, head over to the official Tremors YouTube and Facebook channel or find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Tremors Movie. Over and out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.